Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations. This season, we're discussing sense and sensibility. I'm Julia. I'm Beth. And I'm Lori. Today, we'll be discussing the 1981 BBC miniseries of Sense and Sensibility. You can watch this adaptation with your Amazon Prime subscription. So, ladies, what you sipping? My kind husband made me a hot toddy tonight. Wow. Um, He said that he makes it differently than other people make it. So I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Tell you how he makes it. The Ben Benson signature. So he uses black tea and then he does honey lemon and irish whiskey and jameson is our Mm. preferred brand of irish whiskey i'm not gonna lie beth i don't know how a normal hot toddy is made so (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure how that's different but i appreciate you informing it i think his real signature is that he uses tea and a lot of people just make it with hot water and he uses irish whiskey and sometimes it's made with bourbon what about you Lori? well I am very excited because I found, okay, so I'm drinking another house wine, um, you know, my canned wine, and I found the f- my like favorite flavor from Target that I haven't been able to find in months. I found it today, and I'm so excited. Ooh, what is it? It is. Um, so if you're shopping in a Target and you're in that section and you're looking for it, it is in a rainbow can, and it is the rosé bubbles. It really does look very happy, Lori. It does. I'm so, so excited. I have it again. I went to Kroger the other night in a really hungry state, and I almost <laughs> bought a lot of house wine, and I decided against it because my budget couldn't handle it. But Yeah, it is slightly – I mean – it's half a bottle of wine, so it's kind of like priced like half a bottle of wine. It's $5 a can, people. Um, so, yeah. I try to most- remind myself of that, that I would spend like $10 on a whole bottle of wine, but yeah. I just knew the amount of alcohol that I currently possess in my home and couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> Julia, what are you sipping on? Well, I have another one of my twining sampler teas, and tonight I am drinking an herbal tea called Lemon Delight, which, as you can guess, probably is lemon flavored. (laughs) Um, So it's a little different from what I normally have, and I'm also drinking it out of a handmade mug from our favorite coffee shop that we all went to in college. So that's fun. Blackbird, we love you and we miss you. (laughs) Also, guys... I have a movie recommendation. Oh, really? What? Yes. So I don't know if you guys have seen this yet. It's uh, pretty popular on Netflix. It's called The Dig. And it features... Hmm. It's relevant. Okay. Because it features (laughs) Johnny Flynn, who y'all may remember, of course, was Mr. Knightley in the beloved 2020 Emma adaptation. And he does a really great job. He looks so different in this adaptation. It's crazy. Um, But The Dig was really good. It has Ralph Fiennes, Fiennes, Voldemort. Fiennes? Ralph Fiennes? Oh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Ralph Fiennes. (laughs) That's what happens when you only ever read the name and never hear it out loud. (laughs) My bad. But yeah, The Dig, it's... Uh, kind of a different movie. It's maybe a little bit slower paced, but it was really interesting and I liked it a lot. Also, it's based on a true story, which is really fun. Ooh. And Lily James is also in the movie and her character has a really cool storyline um, that I looked up later and it actually, that part was completely fabricated. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're watching the movie, so just, never mind. just to know that the major point of the story is true, but the plot line where Lily James her character's marriage, everything that happens with that, totally fake. Let's talk about this 1981 version of Sense and Sensibility. What did you guys think? This was this was a adaptation. Mm. It was, was an adaptation. It was different. That's for sure. I was um, really disappointed. <laughs> I was really disappointed in how they used their three and a half hours. You know, yeah. I really was too. It felt like every episode was much longer than it actually was they were only about 25 minutes minutes. yeah (laughs) it had its merits but overall i was not a fan 
I also just have to say before we get started, and actually I have to shout out someone in the comments section of our post about this adaptation called that we would have something to say about this, but the intro on the seesaws, what <laughs> was that? Oh, I, I think I think it's supposed to be like an imagery of them balancing the sense and the sensibility between the two of them or something. I don't know. Wow, Lori, I didn't even think about brow. that. I didn't think about that at all. I just thought English degree coming in. (laughs) No, I didn't like it though. I understood it, but I didn't like it. I have this thing where I get annoyed when things are too in your face like that. And so that just really annoyed me. And also it was just the music. They were looking off to the side at each other. It was it did not sit well with me. And I skipped it after every single episode other than the first because mm -mm, no. (laughs) Nobody's got time for that. Well, it has a, a 6.8 out of 10 stars on IMDb. So that's actually higher than I thought it yeah. would. But I guess maybe if you'd, if you'd seen this one, this is maybe one of your first ones you'd seen or you'd seen it when it was more in its prime. I can see why that might, uh, why it might be more appealing to you. I do feel like the fact that this was made in the 80s came through. I feel like. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It came through in a big way to me. Oh my gosh. I don't know if y'all caught it, but in many of the shots, a lot of them when they're outside, it kind of looks like you're looking through a window screen, like the very like tiny little squares. And that's the light diffuser that they're using. And you you shouldn't be able to see that, but you can see that. And once I saw that um, in the trivia, I was like, oh, now I can never unsee it. I think that you know, like you said, the 80s really come through. And it's not only 80s techniques that were used in period pieces. Mm -hmm. It's also 80s styles. So along with the blur effect, the period music was also so similar to what you hear in period music or what you hear in period pieces from the 80s. I feel like they all sound very similar. Um, Lori, the clanky piano, what did we figure out that was called? The harpsichord? Harpsichord or pianoforte. Yes, there was a lot of harpsichord, which really yeah, just <laughs> did not enjoy. Um, but the other thing that I noticed about this that was so 80s was, I know, Beth, you probably noticed this, the eyebrows. 80s fashion, eyebrows, just super thin, yeah. weird, like U-shaped. Mm-hmm. Those Especially were very Edward. present. Mm-hmm. Edward and Eleanor both had very yes. 80s thin little eyebrows and I was like wow this was the, the hair was weird especially the hair Edward a lot of things about Edward bothered me yeah he had like on... slicked with like thin slicked down straight hair like almost like a a light more elite Justin Bieber look <laughs> that's what it felt like that, to me. that's a vibe and then contrastingly you had brandon who had like huge poofy brown hair oh my gosh and can we talk about the sideburns (laughs) that weren't sideburns they just went all the way down to the chin i also felt like the um the style of acting was a little over dramatic it felt so rehearsed like, you know, if you go oh, gosh, and see... Yes. I felt like I was watching a stage yeah. play. Yes. Yeah. If you go and see a play in person, sometimes if you get the wrong cast or it is very, very, very late in their show season, you can tell that they have done this five million times and they know exactly what to say, but in the wrong way. Like, it's not effortless. It's like, we are going to be reading from a script and this is what we say when we say this. And oh my goodness, this is what we say when we say that. Like... I think in the second episode, I was like, oh, dear God, please, please lose the formality. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. It felt like a play. And that sounds, I feel bad saying that almost because I don't want to say play acting is bad. It's just different and it does not translate well to the screen. This is going to sound kind of silly because obviously I'm on the outside looking in, but I felt very on the outside looking in like Mm -hmm. I was watching something take place and I wasn't at all invested in it. Yeah, And it didn't seem like they were super invested in it. While there was a lot of emotions happening, they didn't ring true at all to me. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should go ahead and talk about like, the characters and the acting and all of that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll circle back around to everything else. 
So first of all, let's talk about our main sensible gal. Our main gal who's full of sense, Miss Eleanor Dashwood, who is played in this adaptation by Irene Richard. Irene Richard hasn't done a whole lot recently, but one thing notably that she did was a 1980 BBC miniseries of Pride and Prejudice where she played Charlotte Lucas. So that's fun. She's not a Austin uh, first timer. So Beth, how did you feel about your gal, Eleanor? I felt a little let down, if I'm honest. <laughs> I just wasn't the biggest fan of of Eleanor in this adaptation. I didn't feel like like she felt very harsh to me and almost robotic mm-hmm. and Eleanor is not supposed to be unfeeling. Like she's in more control of her emotions, but she's definitely not unfeeling. And that's just how this felt to me. It felt very harsh. Like in spoiler alert, I did not like a lot of the acting choices and depictions of these characters, except like one and a half. We'll say that we'll get out more on that mm-hmm. later. But with Eleanor, I don't know. It just, first off, I feel bad saying this, but when I first saw her, like when we first introduced her, I I was like, she does not look like she's supposed to be like in her early 20s, 18, you know, like depicted in the book. I was like, why does she look older? Even though the director deliberately chose actors who were close in age to the characters in the book, which I appreciate, but was kind of like thrown off for a while and then I got used to it and I was like, oh yeah, she kind of does look like that. But I don't know. It was not my favorite. I think part of it was her style and her hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were really distracting. I think they aged her. I will say, I think that Eleanor, part of the reason that she maybe comes across as robotic is everyone else in this adaptation, almost everyone else is so over the top and dramatic all the time, especially Mm -hmm. Marianne and her mom, that Eleanor becomes very boring in comparison. Um, She's kind of this rational person in a sea of irrationality. And I also think that she has a couple of moments. She's so uh, complacent and rational and uh, monotonous throughout the course of the show that those couple of moments where she does show emotion, it's just like out of nowhere. One moment that I remember specifically is there's a moment when Marianne has been spurned by Willoughby and they're at the table. She, Eleanor and Marianne are at the table with Mrs. Jennings and she says something to Marianne about marriage. Marianne gets up and leaves and then she says something to Eleanor about Marianne's marriage and Eleanor's like, what marriage? And it's like screams and runs out and I was just like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Yeah, Because she just rarely shows emotion. Um, so I think that was my problem with Eleanor in this adaptation. I feel like they played the characters to their extremes. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Now that we've talked about Eleanor, let's move on to her sister, who was played in this adaptation by Tracy Childs. And Tracy Childs has actually been in a couple more things since this adaptation, including Doctor Who. She was whoop, whoop. she was also in the film The Scarlet Pimpernel. She plays uh, Suzanne in The Scarlet Pimpernel. Marianne, I'm sorry, Julia. I absolutely hated Marianne in this. Like, really, I just really couldn't stand her. She was so annoying. But I will say, not as annoying as Charlotte. Oh, my oh no one has annoyed me more in my time. Mm, do not get me started on Charlotte. Mary Ann, one, like, they played her as the extreme teenager. Like, I think the line in the last episode, I think it was, like, after she gets better, of, I was a foolish romantic starving myself over an ideal. I was like, oh, my gosh. Her redemption what? arc was not great. I feel like there's no. really nothing to like about her in this one. No. Not at all. It was like very weird and like I don't know. It again, they went from one extreme to the other. And just like she felt very ready to fight someone at any moment in time. I had a couple of problems with this, Marianne. And as someone who identifies as Marianne, I took them very personally. Um, First of all, 
Marianne, when she is with Willoughby, I didn't feel they had an entire episode dedicated to Willoughby and Marianne. And I still feel like it didn't show you why people would like Willoughby personally. Second of all, when Marianne and Willoughby were together, they were so mean. They were so mean about Colonel Brandon and just towards people. And I know that in the book, Marianne can, she has very little tolerance for stupidity, I suppose. But, and I know that she says things sometimes that are not the most polite, but she seemed like she was just mean spirited, which really bothered me. She was also just so melodramatic all the time, starving herself and uh, just, oh gosh, it was just a lot. Um, so that really bothered me. And then the other thing, and this is going to seem so weird, but they mentioned a couple of times in this adaptation that Marianne loves Radcliffe novels and the book never specifies (laughs) that Marianne likes Anne Radcliffe. And I did not like that edition because I despise Anne Radcliffe. So the idea that Marianne would be reading these gothic romance novels that were honestly at the time very over the top and considered a bit vulgar i was like no my girl marianne would not like Anne radcliffe (laughs) and i know it could be wrong about that but i just that did not sit well with me i feel like this version of marianne it does make sense for her to like it does yeah the way they played her character it totally made sense but honestly the way they portrayed marianne had me questioning like if this is how marianne truly is is this how I am? Is this how people see me? I, am I truly? No, Julia, no, no. <laughs> it was Yo, a lot, we guys. Cannot, we cannot move on from the Dashwood sisters without naming the truly tragic part of this adaptation. Where is there was Margaret? Margaret? There was Margaret. She wasn't in it. Anytime, they just so sad. I didn't include her. Anytime Margaret's missing, it's really a tragedy. Gosh, we loved her so much in the last one. I just can't believe they didn't put her in this one. Also, just on the note of the sisters, I I feel like it really was missing something. Um, Eleanor and Marianne didn't seem like they had a super great sister chemistry to me. No. I didn't feel like there was great chemistry between any of the characters. Yeah. I think that's kind of what we were alluding to earlier, that they're, you know, Willoughby and Marianne didn't really seem genuinely in love to me. The connection between Colonel Brandon and Marianne was so manufactured. Even Edward and Eleanor, who in this adaptation were supposed to be so madly in love, had no connection. Mm -hmm. I mean, I felt like they were so dry the whole time, especially in their behavior together. The beginning scenes when they're still at Norland, they were trying to show Edward and Eleanor falling in love were very, very cringy to me. Well, and I think on the topic of Edward, let's just switch over to him. We saw like 0.2 seconds of Edward in this entire adaptation. There were seven episodes. What the heck happened? (laughs) We saw him for like, I don't know, maybe like 10 minutes in that first episode. And then we didn't see him for four more episodes. Yes. So Edward was played by... Bosco Hogan, who's actually still acting. He's still going strong, which is really cool. Um, But yeah, he did not appear very often. And when he did, I felt it was just underwhelming, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I think the only time that I kind of liked his depiction, I guess, if that makes sense, is when Eleanor's telling him about um, when when Eleanor is telling him that Colonel Brandon is giving him the vicar position and you can like really see in his eyes that like he's happy about it and like he's so thankful Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, But then doesn't he call her like goddess or something? Oh, I think he did. He said something very intimate, like a close. Yeah. It was like a really weird thing. And I was like, what in the world? Speaking of weird things, when he finally reveals to Eleanor that he's single, Eleanor very dramatically runs off into the <laughs> woods. And then he just stands there. And Marianne has to tell him to run after Eleanor. And it's... It was sad. That is... that. That's like a weird man in love. Like, <laughs> okay, the girl that you are now free to marry and pursue just ran off into a random forest you know in like a weird sense of distress you would think he would go after her unprompted but no 
one one would think. So speaking of blonde men, and <laughs> before we move on to Willoughby, I just have to tell you guys, my husband and I have been watching How I Met Your Mother, and there was a scene <laughs> in an episode the other day, right before I started watching this, where a character's dad says to Barney, "What uh, grown men do not have blonde hair, and I could not stop thinking about that when I was watching this adaptation. Obviously, that's not true. I know some very kind grown men with blonde hair, but it was just so weird to have Edward and Willoughby with blonde blonde hair because I just don't see them yeah. as blondes for some reason. But anyway, our blonde Willoughby was played by Peter Woodward, who I was surprised to find out after I looked him up on IMDb. He was actually in the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson, who all of our mm-hmm. everyone in our American audience, I'm sure, has seen that movie. Uh, but he multiple times he plays Charles O'Hara, who is actually one of the evil British soldiers. Sorry to our British audience, but you know, Julia, are you prepared to be shocked? Yes, please. Are your socks are your socks on? I don't because I'm about to blow them off. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm barefoot, but mentally they're they're there. I actually felt sympathy for this Willoughby. Spit take. <laughs> okay, let me let me explain myself. Um he expressed for me, this is spoiler alert in the one and a half characters i thought actually expressed themselves well this was the one um i actually enjoyed his portrayal of willoughby more in the like later episodes i guess <laughs> that making that face of me um purely because you can tell that he loved marianne mm. like he was actually playing that and i think in the last update adaptation i did not get that at all um so in the in the party scene um where marianne and willoughby have their i guess confrontation i guess which was odd um this this depiction was odd bad i have so many thoughts about that scene (laughs) (laughs) um like I could see the distress in his face more so than in the last one you could tell he didn't really want to be doing what he was doing um but when he comes to see mary ann when she's like dying um which i have some fun tidbits of information about that illness later i don't know i was on a weird google streak with this adaptation <laughs> um she Lori didn't want to pay attention so she was just googling things right? the whole time Lori googling putrid illness so she doesn't have to watch this adaptation <laughs> Spoiler alert, I think I figured out what it is. Um, but when he comes and he's like losing his mind, which okay, I did I will concede that was a little over dramatic. But I think they were really playing up the whole like he loved Mary Ann, he still loves Mary Ann, he does not want to be doing what he's doing. Which was a little extra, I will say, for that scene. But I don't know. Out of the two adaptations and the book, this is my favorite Willoughby. I did write that I thought he seemed pretty good-natured. Um, I don't think he was an outright bad guy. I guess, I mean, don't get me wrong. Man made some bad choices. Mm-hmm. You don't abandon a woman that you've now had a baby with. That's just not a good mood. Good mood. That's just not a good, like, thing to do at all. You know, that's just common sense. But I think in that last scene with him, when he basically expresses that his biggest fear is poverty and he will basically do anything to escape that even if that means not marrying the person that he likes like it made him a little more sympathetic but also like at least you understand him a little bit more now yeah Yeah. like you get you get his motivations more i guess he just didn't seem like when he said he he didn't really flat out say this but when you realize that he'd gotten the girl pregnant and he kind of is admitting that that was like pretty unbelievable to me based on the character that we had seen yeah. so far yeah which i i guess he still wasn't really sympathetic to me because it just was all unbelievable and not told well in my opinion but he definitely to me came off as like a pretty decent guy but also like this is not true. You didn't get someone pregnant. What? Yeah. 
I totally see where you're coming from because I do feel like he was pretty likable up until that point. So it was just kind of out of nowhere. I want to circle back really quickly just to that ballroom scene where Marianne (laughs) sees Willoughby. Just because it was a lot. Marianne was reacting very strongly and Eleanor was like, yelling at her to calm down in a way that was almost as distracting as Marianne's distress. Mm -hmm. And then Marianne walks up to Willoughby and Willoughby is merely standing by another woman who is sitting down. And Marianne's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And I was like, what are you reacting to? He is standing with a woman. They're not kissing. And so there was nothing to the audience that would show you, oh, he and this woman are together now and he is spurning Marianne. So that scene really just, I I did not enjoy it. I will say, and honestly, that, that wasn't Willoughby's fault, but the scene where Willoughby was leaving Marianne's family and he was explaining to... Marianne's mother, Mrs. Dashwood, and Eleanor that he was leaving. I thought the actor did a really good job. I thought he seemed pretty genuine, but something that really took me out of the scene was Mrs. Dashwood's reaction because it was super over the top. She just started screaming out of nowhere. Oh my gosh. The female characters in this who were supposed to be dramatic were the most over the top. I mean, if they had any emotions written in the script, they were just incredibly overdramatic. Can we talk about Fanny's scream? <laughs> oh, her reaction oh to God. finding out that Lucy Steele and her brother Edward were engaged was insane. Yes, that was like so really happening. She like seemed like somebody came in and said that she had been sleeping with her brother. Like that's the type of reaction she gave off. It was over the top. It's so dramatic and like she wasn't even it didn't even seem she was mad. It just seemed like she was insane. She just went crazy. It was also partially on the director too because the blocking was super weird because oh yeah it was lucy's sister who confessed everything to her just like in the book and she grabs her by the hands and then by the shoulders and like shakes her and it was really weird and then she just has spurts of screaming and and laughing and laugh screaming and it was like screeching kind of it was so weird i no 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 Let's move on. Let's move on. So our our (laughs) last leading man left is Colonel Brandon. He was played by Robert Swan, who has actually guest starred in a couple of British TV shows. What did you guys think of this adaptation's take on Colonel Brandon? It felt awkward to me. Like he felt very awkward and like very, uh, this, this sounds horrible. But it really felt like an old man trying to express stifled emotions for a very young teenage girl. Which I guess is book accurate, but like... Honestly, his age did seem a little bit more accurate to me this time. It was hard to tell because everything was so blurry, but he looked like a more appropriate age. And I didn't love him. It was kind of a bland performance but there were certain things that I did like um, when he was telling the story about everything that happened to Eliza I thought that the actor did a really good job he was just very genuine so that was sweet I stand by the last guy I still really liked him I will say one thing I did like about this Colonel Brandon is his and Eleanor's friendship like you it like came out more I guess because we saw it more but i don't know like i was like oh, okay there it is i disagree there, is, there it is oh i oh. feel like i feel like in the last mini series we watched i feel like the friendship between them was sweeter and stronger oh but i didn't see it at all that's so weird i really liked the last one i know we disagreed yeah but i think for this one this guy what i thought was interesting and what was a great idea on paper that I feel like didn't really come out that well. But I did like at the end, the scene with him and Marianne where he's kind of introducing her to, to Shakespeare. Shakespeare yeah, and to new people, new poets and authors. I liked that. I didn't actually like the scene. It felt weird to me. 
but I liked the idea of that. And then I liked that later on she repeated those same words that he had said. I liked the symbol, I, the symbolization yeah. of that. I liked that too. The I also had mixed feelings just because, like I said, I was so personally offended by the fact that Marianne liked Anne Radcliffe that <laughs> I was partially still taken aback by that fact. But I, I did love uh, the way that they showed the common ground that Marianne and Willoughby or Marion and Brandon have that would have tied them together. I think the funniest thing to me was he's going on and on, you know, when he comes and visits her at her sickbed, uh, when he's going on and on about these different poets and writers and everything, and he goes, and the God, Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I mean, yeah, but like, weird way of putting it. <laughs> Okay, so now that we've rounded out our discussion of the characters, I do have a couple quick tidbits that I want to mention. Number one, <laughs> did you guys notice that in one of the final scenes when Edward comes to talk to Eleanor, she and her family are just sitting around and you can clearly see that Eleanor is sketching Edward's face in her notebook. <laughs> no, I did not notice that. I realized you can see just in the bottom right corner of your screen, it is very obviously Edward's face. And you can tell because of the iconic hair, you guys. And I was like, oh my gosh. Iconic? This, she <laughs> thinks. I call it iconic. <laughs> this man is married. She's got a little bit of stalker vibes going right. on right now. Yeah, I definitely didn't notice that at all. The other thing was that in the final scene, or one of the final scenes towards the end when Marianne is talking to Eleanor about how she's going to practice piano and read books, et cetera, et cetera. They had more makeup on Marianne to show that she was doing better health wise, including pink eyeliner, like hot pink what? eyeliner. What? Yeah, it was weird. Okay. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. I mean, to be fair, she looked like trash she when did. she was sick i was just she about to say that looked like she was she dying like she was gonna die yeah it was really rough also the way they did that whole scene with the doctor coming in they were like yeah she's dead she's basically dead yeah yeah when the doctor's like walking down the stairs and mrs jennings is like <gasps> and he's like nah he just like slowly shakes his head and then walks away i was like oh oof oof no hope there sir yeah I, it was also weird because Almost everything from this movie happened directly from the book, but they left out Marianne's walk in the rain that makes her so sick. So mm -hmm. it's yeah. we're assuming that she gets so sick from the carriage ride slash from starving herself, which has been implied. Um, so and then later said like she's like I made yeah. myself sick by starving myself. Yeah. So that was <laughs> it was pretty dark. Okay, now that we're on the topic of Marianne's. <laughs> uncertain demise uh do you want to hear what i found out about uh her illness i would love yes. to know what made her eyes look like that <laughs> <laughs> okay so in doing some googling because the doctor says it's a putrid infection and everyone loses their mind and like charlotte straight up takes the baby and leaves which i was like okay girl you dramatic as heck this is not the black plague um so i did some googling and if you want to look at this article, it is in the BBC News, which, shout out BBC, love you. Um, you can Google BBC News, why heroines die in classic fiction, which is great. Um, and according to this article, it is either typhus. Like typhoid? Kind of, I guess, I don't know. The I tried multiple different. Uh, sites to try and figure out what the heck typhus is. Mm -hmm. Couldn't really figure it out, but the symptoms are a rash. We don't really see that, but high fever, nausea, diarrhea, and vomiting. <laughs> Basically, you're not doing so hot. And then um, later on, you get like bleeding in the skin del and delirium and then death. Not great. Extreme there. Yeah, not great. Uh, and then the other one is septicemia. Which is basically a blood infection, like blood poisoning, which like you have to get bacteria like in your body and then that happens, which I guess if she like went on a walk and like maybe tripped and like cut herself somehow, like that could have happened and I don't know. But I was like, okay, that that is apparently what a putrid infection is. Interesting. Gross. Yeah. Not great. I totally get why Charlotte took her baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 
I mean, for at least the second one, that's that's not contagious. <laughs> like you can't True. catch that. True. But uh, the first one, yeah, you could probably catch the first one. None of our complaints about this adaptation have really been about the events of the film being accurate. Because I do have to say, props to this adaptation, it was pretty much almost directly the book as a film. And Mm -hmm. as much as I wanted that to be super successful, the energy was missing. And Mm -hmm. instead of the events of the book being inaccurate, what stood out as inaccurate to me was just the portrayals of the characters and their personalities. Mm -hmm. So even though you have a lot of lines that are directly taken and a lot of events that are portrayed that aren't in other adaptations, the characters and their personalities were just so off to me. So even though technically it was book to movie accurate, it really did not feel book to movie accurate. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yes. I totally Basically, agree. Yeah. Basically what you're saying to condense it, and I completely agree, is book to script, A plus. You did great. Script to acting, horrible. <laughs> and I also feel like we have to acknowledge that just because something makes a really interesting, great book, it does not mean that those exact events will translate well into a film, mm-hmm. you know? I don't well, want to see embroidery for five hours. And it's not just the acting, it's I mean, the, the chemistry. I think the chemistry yeah. was so lacking. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, is obviously a part of the acting, and but also the directing and casting choices. And I, that part, the relational part of it was missing in a big way. I mean, yeah. even if it had been bad acting but it had more relational believability I think I would have liked it a lot more it just was totally lacking in that to me and that central dynamic of Marianne and Eleanor I didn't really think that they loved each other that much or it was and it was hard to think like oh these are sisters that Mm -hmm. you know they care for each other they would die for each other that didn't really come across at all to me. Oh, no. I also think that for some reason, people don't realize that adding another sibling into the mix just changes the sibling dynamic so much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, book to movie wise, that wasn't totally accurate is it hurts my feelings when Barton Cottage is not surrounded by glorious hills and valleys. And you see Marianne and Eleanor walking along hills sometimes, but when whenever they show the cottage, everything's super flat. And I don't know why, but that just... It does not sit well well with my heart. It kind of also looked like it was in the middle of a forest on a road. (laughs) Yeah, and I think the biggest book-to-movie accuracy thing, I mean, they did a really good job, but I don't understand why they left out Margaret. Like, if you're going to be that detailed and stick with the book that much, why cut out one of the primary characters? I mean, I guess if they're not going to give Edward, like, any screen diamonds of like the last two episodes they thought that margaret in the book wasn't going to translate well enough to screen that they would give her enough time which i don't agree with hello last adaptation my favorite character was margaret (laughs) which was just like really weird to me so besides margaret being left out of this film which is tragic and completely unnecessary what made or broke this film for you I have a very, I have a very obscure made it. Okay. I adored the servants. The Dashwood <laughs> servants. I think Tom was the guy. I don't remember the girl's name. I think it was Susan. They were, they were Susan? amazing. And in my mind, I had created this whole like secondary love story with them. <laughs> yeah. Like, the two of them fell in love and this was really their story, but we were seeing it through the lens of the Dashwood family. <laughs> So <laughs> I love the servants. I thought they were great. They got a surprising amount of screen time. More screen time than Edward, R.I.P. Rip Edward. That like little scene where like Tom, I don't know, is he like tending to the garden? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And like Marianne is singing inside the cottage and Susan like leans out the window to like, I don't know, air out a rug or something. And like they share a look. Yes. <laughs> I get it. There's I get it. contact there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's tension. <laughs> uh, and then my my break it is is just that I was really disappointed in the ending. There are a lot of things I didn't like about this, but really I was just like, seriously, I watched three and a half hours, and you don't even tie it up with a pretty wedding. Oh, for me. Yes, like, give me something. <laughs> 
Also, I just have to say, I think it's hilarious that this adaptation was so boring to us that one, Lori googled putrid infections, and two, <laughs> Beth made up a secret romance between the servants. <laughs> That's amazing. So I have two make-its. One is more normal and one is slightly more obscure. So one of my make-its is Willoughby's confession. I thought that was one of the only genuine moments of acting just on Willoughby's side, not on Eleanor's. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah, it was only Willoughby. And the other make-it was along similar lines. So in Barton Cottage, the doorways are incredibly small. So every time any male character walks in, even Marianne, they have to duck like crazy, especially Tom, because that man is tall. And I just thought that was really funny. My man, Tom. <laughs> Our main man, Tom. Favorite character. I mean, I guess that's historically accurate because people were shorter and then like 1980s tall people are like portraying it. But yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, funny. Um, my two break it's number one, Marianne. It was hurtful to me the way that Marianne was portrayed in this adaptation. Not necessarily the actress's fault, just the way they chose to portray her. It hurt my feelings. So that's one. And the other one... John... That's a long guy. Yeah, it was John Middleton's laugh. It was too much. I did not like it. He was like... No. Stop it. <laughs> so... Julia kind of stole one of my make-its with Willoughby's confession at the end. I agree with you. I quite enjoyed that my other make it which this is also like slightly obscure so like track along with me hmm. uh mrs jennings the entire film is just like crazy gossipy and like a little insane like in a kind of lovable way i guess outside looking in but like at the end when she like tells charlotte like no i'm gonna stay like these girls don't have their mother. I have to be their mother. I was like, redemption for yes. Mrs. Jennings. Yeah, that was sweet. I liked that part too. So that's definitely my make it besides the Willoughby moment. My break it. My God, the acting. <laughs> the like extremes that went through. I don't know. I guess it's just like it was tough, this adaptation man. did not age well at all. Like, that's no hate on anyone involved in this film, but, like, just <laughs> watching it when I first opened it, like, on Amazon, you know, clicked play or whatever, I could not get over how bad the quality was, which, you know, you're... You can't help that too much. Yeah. But, like, also, you look at other films about that time, and there's some better quality ones that, like, kind of hold up, but just between that horrible like directing slash acting choices that occurred in this adaptation to the weird diffuser that should not be seen it just like i don't know it made it very hard which is obvious because i was googling random things throughout <laughs> the entire thing wow Lori, i have a pretty good guess based on your previous comments uh but Lori, who would you date okay can i have some caveats why the heck not? <laughs> <laughs> okay, because uh, there's... <laughs> Our two leading men are just not that great in this adaptation. Let's be real. For sure. Um, if I can have the caveat that he's redeemed, like, fully, and he's, like, changed his ways, and... <laughs> We might have to take a picture of Julia's face right now because it is just extreme. I know. I know. I'm saying this right now. Um, if I can have the caveat that he has redeemed and he has, like, changed his ways and also maybe that he's, like, sending some payment back to his child, I think I might choose Willoughby. <gasps> plot twist. Plot twist. <laughs> plot twist to plot, plot twist. Throwback to the first episode where I was hating on this man. Well... In my own defense, and I guess in his, I don't know. There was like 0.2 seconds of Edward, which is unfortunate. And then, I don't know. I just felt like I couldn't develop anything, any feelings for this man in this adaptation. I don't know. I just didn't feel it. They're just, they and, weren't real cute in this one. No. Let's just say no, it like it is. No. No. 
the men weren't super attractive in this. I mean, I guess maybe Willoughby because, I mean, you two know. I have a thing for curly-haired men. But, I, yeah, I think he's, like, the less... I don't even know how to describe it. He's the least boring, honestly. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> you don't have a lot to work with, so you're just... No, I don't. Gosh, you know, Laura, you know who I would have chosen to date? Who? Tom. Freaking Tom. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> he was oh so cheerful and helpful. That's I loved true. Him. I guess in my head when we do this segment, I have to, like look at the like leading men mm. i don't even think about like the peripheral i guess which is my own fault i guess i should look beyond my friend there are no rules <laughs> you choose whoever your heart desires well after my shocking and quite frankly unforeseenable twist of fate uh and who i have chosen julia how was your drink first of all i just gotta say i feel redeemed the fact that you chose Willoughby. <laughs> so thank you. You're welcome. Second of all, I actually finished my Lemon Delight tea. Mm. But it was not that delightful. It was okay, mm. but it was too tart, which was kind mm. of surprising. It smelled really good, which is always a plus for me, but it was just a, a touch too tart. If you're super into lemon, you would probably like it, though. But I don't do that a lot, so it was just kind of surprising. Do you think you could kill the tartness with, like, some sugar or Yeah, something? probably. I didn't have anything in it. I just took it straight. So if you put, like, cream or sugar, I'm sure that would that would make it really good. I, I'll try that the next time I drink this lemon tea. Good idea, Lori. So, Beth, did you finish your drink? What are you drinking, girl? I finished my hot toddy. It was hey. delicious. I finished it a long time ago. Uh, it was, yeah, it was great. Ben did a great job making me a drink. Really appreciated it. Um. Yeah, it, there is a lot of flavor in it. Not a huge whiskey, bourbon-esque dark liquors. Don't like dark liquors. Uh, but it was good. I mean, yeah, well balanced with honey and with lemon juice and with tea. Those are all good things <laughs> that I like. What about you, Lori? How was your, how was your uh, very expensive house one? I, I can't deny the fact that it's probably a little more expensive than it really should be for a canned wine. Uh, it was fantastic. I loved it. I mean, honestly. You're certainly you, selling me on it. I honestly go, if you're at Target and you have $6, just buy one can and also buy the rainbow one. Honestly, um, <laughs> I am a avid trier of like random beauty products, uh, but I liked trying this wine this brand is like very trying friendly i guess because you can buy multiple types mm. for like not a crap ton of money i guess i don't know it's still is slightly expensive anyway that's a tangent i love this wine please try it if you have a target near you and you can find it it is so i don't good. think i've ever heard you this passionate about wine Lori. i haven't either I and you love your beverages i do i do love a beverage Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for joining us as we talked about the 1981 version of Sense and Sensibility. It has been a journey. It may not have been our favorite, but you are our favorite for joining us oh, yeah. and listening to the <laughs> podcast today. Y'all give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have a minute to spare, that's super helpful for us. Also, you should follow us on Instagram. We are at Sips and Sensibility Pod, and we are on Facebook at Sips and Sensibility. Before um, I spin us into what we're watching next time, Julia, I think you have a very exciting announcement for us. I do. Yes, we hit three thousand downloads this week, you guys. That is such an exciting milestone for us i don't think any of us ever would have guessed that we would have hit that so quickly so thank you so much keep sharing our podcast telling your friends about it and keep showing us love on social media we love interacting with you guys and to celebrate that and to say thank you we are going to be doing a watch party for our next adaptation so head over to instagram where we'll be voting on 
how we'll be watching that watch party. Do you want to do it on Amazon? Do you want to do it on Facebook? Tell me what you want to see and we'll make that happen for you guys. And we're so excited to watch along with you so we can talk in the comments. It's going to be a super fun time. So... In addition to that, we also have this week's shout out. I asked you guys to comment on our one of our most recent posts, who y'all thought Lori would date from this adaptation. You got it right. No one actually got it right. We had one guess no. for Colonel Brandon. So y'all keep guessing though. One day you'll, you'll get it and you'll get a very special mention. So this week I am shouting out someone who commented on our post. It's Kaylee Austin Gal. And she draws out Austin quotes. She hand writes them and has pretty aesthetics in the background. So y'all should give her a follow. She's on Instagram at half agony, half hope. That's half underscore agony, underscore half underscore hope. I get the pleasure of telling you what we're going to watch with you. Um, Julia is a little, just, you know, a tad excited about this <laughs> adaptation. We are going to be watching the 1995 Sense and Sensibility. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so if you don't already have this bought or downloaded or pirated off the internet, do not do that. Uh, that's illegal. <laughs> um, you can find this movie on Amazon. Um, you can rent it for $3.99. I know it's not included with Prime. I am so sorry. But for free, if you have a star subscription or if you have Hulu Premium, you can watch it on those platforms. If you're planning to rent, just wait until we have the watch party because if we do the watch party on Amazon, everyone will have to rent individually. So make sure you wait to watch with us so we can all chat together about the film. I hope y'all are really excited to watch this adaptation with us for our celebration of 3,000 downloads. Um, make sure that you keep an eye on our Instagram page and or our Facebook page to get more details on that to vote where we watch it. But until then, keep on sipping, y'all. <laughs>